Now You Know, Subtitle Turn, by Irving Eugene. Chapter 1. Mother Dearest. I love my mom. She is noted around the house as tangy to me due to her sweet nature and the rest of my family as tingy for creole meaning fancy. She did not always enjoy a lifestyle of the finer things, but she has good taste. She can notice all the best fashion and she carries herself accordingly. She buys many clothes as a guilty pleasure. As most women do, it seems, I buy her things when I can. One time I gifted her a heart-shaped necklace. She is due for an upgrade, but in due time life will present her with one. She smells kind, like a true mother, always considerate yet slightly brash, probably due to external influences and for strong care of others. She tends to get upset with a short fuse, but it is because she cares too much. She shows affection in the traditional sense by selecting necessities for my family. She will not shop only for her pleasure, but also for the satisfaction of gifting clothes for others, household appliances, vitamins, supplements, and things of healthy nature. She is proud and generous. She is an amazing cook and finds satisfaction in making a house feel like a home. She would never let anyone do the laundry, and she have the correct fixation of keeping the house tidy. I return the favor by buying her small gifts like a speaker, but I know what she truly enjoys is the time we spend together. She likes going to the park, beach, and restaurants with me, something I used to do mostly with friends and lovers, but I am realizing a mom deserves the same attention or even more. My mother is a trained nurse, therefore she has the skills and nurture to tend to my wounds. Ever since I was young, she would assess me for cuts, burns, and anything of that matter. Anytime I require a patch-up, my mom comes to the rescue. In the past, she was busy with work helping the less fortunate. Now she is returning to help her number one patient, me. I am feeling fine at the moment, but it is a calming feeling to know someone can help whenever the time calls for it. I am grateful. She can be demanding, but that is the sacrifice you make for someone you love. And I love her dearly. She knows how to strike a nerve with me, but she is truly delightful. She enjoys to garden and relax as I drive her around town. On the surface, it can appear she is high maintenance, but in actuality, she is really uncomplicated. A hug and kind words make her day. It is her attention to detail that made her a skillful sewer in the past and in the moment. You can depend on her to fix your clothes of any damages or misfitting. She can even take things to the next level by curating replica fashionable clothes. I do not know how she developed this skill, but the word on the street is she got it from her parents. She is concise and decisive, like a surgeon with her steady hands. My family jokes that if she were born in America, she could have been practicing. There are childhood stories of her making clothes for my uncle to fancy ladies. The most profound thing she ever made was her own wedding dress. She is a gem. Hype by Irving Eugene. Chapter 1. Key. On an island there was mystic beauty, majestic with beaches, palm trees, and clear skies. Who knew a legend would start here? Michael Brown was a man of the world. He was staying at a shared home with other Americans and international individuals. They all came here with the same purpose of studying. It was part of this grant that advocated students to travel abroad to learn about new cultures. The material was complicated and conflicted with the relaxed atmosphere of Caribbean life. Moreover, classmates would learn during the day and adventure at night. The students amusingly considered the residence as a safe house, a two-story home with multiple apartments at the corner of the tropical city. The school was magnificent, many stories with transparent glasses. You could feel the warmth from the island. 
Advanced technology made the institution sophisticated with teachers from many different countries. The main spoken language was English. You could tell the professors were well-educated and versed about different cultures. On the surface, they were ideal role models. The school was the most extravagant object in the town in modern terms. The city had strong traditions of spicy homegrown food, fishing, swimming, festivals, and simple trading amongst citizens. You could view the edges of the island surrounded by mountains protecting the people from the harsh, pretty ocean. The inhabitants were dark-skinned but did possess a select amount of mixed beauties. The entire population had exotic, attractive islanders. Shops were small. The most lucrative places, which were few, were from outsourced powers. The majority of people traded by hand. The best objects were collected by word of mouth. The major players at the safe house were Sakina, Alyssa, and Faiz. Each possessed their own living quarters at the house. Sakina was a friend of Michael's sister. She was accepted due to her connections with legacy students. Alyssa was a superficial girl who enjoyed to party. She attended the program due to her family's money. Faiz was a Pakistani guy who spent most of the time in the United States studying and transferred to this prestigious program due to good grades. In addition, Michael just made it to the program due to good fortune and luck. He was an average student, came from a middle-class family, and knew few people prior to entering the school except Sakina. Michael was fun, caring, and quite interesting. Maybe he won the interviewers over with his great personality and charisma. Chapter 2, Secrets Sakina was black and white, possessing the best of the two worlds. She was tall and had long braided hair, bright brown eyes and full lips. Her skin tone was a tan yellow. She enjoyed the rigorous studies and excelled. However, she was irresponsible and found ways to achieve success without ambitious work. She usually got by by accessing information from other classmates. This did not only apply to school. She used people to get ahead in many aspects of life. Michael would spend time with Sakina on several occasions, even though he knew she was using him for resources. Michael spoke on the phone with his sister, Natalie. How's life? And other small talk. Natalie said, Do not hang out with Sakina. She is a bad influence. Natalie loved Michael and knew he was easily influenced by others. Natalie helped Sakina get in the program for good karma, but was not true friends with Sakina. It was only a friendship on the surface. Michael was very aware of the situation. He replied to Natalie, I love you. I'll be a good boy. They were satisfied with their conversation, knowing both said their part. Michael and Natalie would check on each other throughout Michael's time in the program. One day, Sakina asked Michael for some answers for a particular homework. He went to her bedroom. Michael grew up in a strict household and did not drink much. Sakina was an advent drinker. She had numerous bottles of vodka and some sort of mixed alcoholic lemonade-flavored drink. Sakina drank from the vodka while Michael drank from the homemade cocktail. He gave her the answers to the homework but wanted something in return. They kissed and had sex in what would be drunk passion. When finished, Michael stated, Do not tell my sister. Now more sober, Sakina was slightly upset but agreed. It seemed there was a possibility that Sakina wanted to be a part of Michael's family, but they were not a suitable match. They would mutually go their separate ways. It was a secret memory. Faiz was responsible. He had to work very hard to get in the position he was in. He was a devout Muslim. This prevented him from partaking in the many pastimes of traditional American culture. He fasted at times and strayed away from premarital sex, drugs, and alcohol. His most dangerous vice was sneaking a cigarette at the end of a laborious day of studying. Michael enjoyed Faiz's Pakistani tea in the morning before school. It was similar to the British culture of tea. 
Pakistan has a lot of British influence historically. They would vent to each other about the everyday struggles of life. Even though they had a very different upbringing, every man has the same urge for sex and are confused on how to reach their goals. They would exercise together and motivate each other to be productive. Michael, with his new freedom away from parents, would dabble in bad behavior. He would tell Faiz to hold his liquor to prevent himself from abusing alcohol. He would occasionally take gulps after a stressful exam. Faiz would monitor him with, while smoking his cigarettes. On a specific night, Michael and Faiz ordered a lady of the night from a local. Michael gained confidence from the booze as he never did this before. Faiz, sober and horny, broke one of his religious rules. They both had sex with her. Faiz paid for both of them. Michael said, I'll pay you back. Alyssa found comfort in drugs. She was addicted to cocaine. When she could not have the right amount, she would smoke weed and drink. She was pretty but not well equipped for school. Alyssa just saw the program as a pit stop to party and vacation on an island. She had a boyfriend, each one fulfilling a different purpose, it seems. One, tall to reach thing around the house and be fitted to perform physical activities. Another, for money when her dad would not send her any, and several others. One time, Michael and Alyssa agreed to meet at Michael's place to study. She was on the phone with her father. The conversation ended. Michael, interested, said, What were you talking about? Alyssa replied, My dad is on hydrochlorothiazide. Michael wanted to impress her by telling her a scientific fact that hydrochlorothiazide was for blood pressure. She surprisingly said, I do not give a fuck. He was shocked. They studied for a short time, but Alyssa was impatient and bored. She asked Michael for money. He gave her the small spare cash he had. She thanked him with a kiss and left. The next time, Michael drove Alyssa around in his car. It was rare for a student on the island to use their own car. Alyssa found use in Michael. To Michael's dismay, she brought a male companion. The three drove around the island, finding serene locations to take in while smoking cigarettes. She left with the guy privately to talk. Alyssa, high on drugs, was unaware she was kissing her friend noticeably by Michael. He thought this girl is trouble. As they drove back, Michael brought to the attention of Alyssa his disappointment in her. She would not acknowledge his disapproval. She was disrespectful but kissed Michael. Back at the safe house, the two drank some alcohol and had sex. Alyssa was bad at sex. She was pretty but emotionless. She felt that Michael should be grateful to just be in her presence. After communicating for a few more weeks, the two would eventually stop. Chapter 3, Finale Michael, now failing in the program, thought it was time to salvage whatever money he had left and pursue a new path. He spoke to his family to make arrangements to go home. He gained a lot of experience on the K, but was too young to give it 100%. Michael needed to learn more about life before expecting to receive this responsibility. Many of his colleagues failed as well. He enjoyed the last night on the balcony of the safe house, staring at the full moon. He thought of a brand new tomorrow. The moon lit up the whole island. It was a sight to see. Redemption. Subtitle. Who is going to save me from myself? By Irving Eugene. Chapter 1. Experiences. A guy meets a young girl. He is introduced to her through a friend. They like him because he has a car and they do not. Little did they know he would want something in return. It was a double date across the town. All four picked up food at the drive-thru and parked themselves at the park at night. They spit the shit and ate the food. Young, they were glad to just be away from their parents' supervision. Out in the world in what seemed like freedom. One of the guys of the group starts kissing and making advances with his date in the back seat of the car. The protagonist states, what are they doing? His date laughs and says, I don't know. He took this as an opportunity to start making moves on his date. 
They kissed, and he was able to touch her wherever he pleased. He thought this was worth the drive. On another occasion, he spent time with his real friends. They were driving now, and he was in the back seat with the same girl. After their first experience together, he thought it was acceptable to make moves on the girl whenever he pleased. Therefore, he kissed the girl and felt her up. She was not pleased. She returned the favor but said, I do not want to do this right now. He was upset but settled down. All his friends rejoiced at the fact that he kissed her. They did not believe that he hooked up with her in the past. They drove around aimlessly, hoping he could seal the deal. With no luck, they just had fun talking and driving. On what would be expecting to be a great day, the guy made plans to host a party at his house. His parents were skeptical to allow him to party, but they thought better at home than making trouble elsewhere. In this situation, many friends arrived and his older brother could join along, providing the alcohol to the festivities. The older brother made advances at the younger brother's girl. The girl, being promiscuous, played innocent. The guy was angry and fueled with alcohol. He was usually playful when drunk, but this time was different. He confronted his brother in front of everyone and said, Fuck you. The two brothers had exchanges and the guy made a scene. His parents were upset and thought he was an angry drunk. The party would settle back into groove after the guy had a talk with his family. The promiscuous girl flirted with several guys at the party with no advances. As she understood, this was not the time and place to sell herself at the guy's house. However, it was in her nature to attract male attention. All in all, the party would be a success, as the guy got a few girls' numbers, and he knew a new girlfriend could be a possibility. The two brothers settled their disputes. The guy learned a lesson that these girls are for everybody and lost his belief in monogamy. A few weeks later, his closest friend was driving with him. The guy invited the younger girls, including the promiscuous girl. He thought he could let bygones be bygones and still be in her presence. She did not belong to him, but she could possibly hook up with him from time to time. The guy's closest friend did not respect these girls and wanted no business with them. The girls wanted to stop at the store and buy alcohol. So the guy's friend drove to the location and the two waited in the car as the girls went in to buy booze. As the girls were inside, the guy's friend said, I do not want anything to do with these girls. The guy, not feeling consideration for his friend or the girls, simply said, Okay. His friend said, I'm leaving. The guy wanted the company of the girl, but his friend was the one driving the car, so he had no real choice in the matter. The guy's friend drove the car and left the girls behind. The girls were stranded with no ride, and the guy's friend laughed. Perhaps the guy did wrong by condoning his friend and leaving the girls stranded, but he did have some disdain for the promiscuous girl. The two friends would play video games and drink instead. They had a strong bond at the time. The guy's friend said, who needs those girls? The guy just wanted an escape from the burden of typical life and spent his time drinking and spending time with his friend. Chapter 2, Two of a Kind A boy and his best friend were set to spend time together. Due to struggling times, both were still living with their parents. They both struggled with mental health issues and were pessimistic of the world. The boy went to his friend's house to watch sports. Due to his recent hospitalization, his sister had to drop him off at his friend's house. The boy's parents did not trust him with the car. When he arrived, his friend greeted him with open arms. They were glad to see each other. The friend said, it's been long overdue. He agreed. They smoked a cigarette and conversed on past parties, high school moments together, and how they were handling their troubles. The conversation was not too serious. Once they finished, the boy was welcomed inside the house. The friend's parents were glad to see him. They discussed plans for the future and exchanged small talk. The boy went to his father's special room with World War II memorabilia. 
The boy, educated in history, had a compelling discussion with the friend's father about D-Day. The father had a complete miniature reenactment of the battle. They joked it was lucky that the Allied forces won or they would not be here. The boy went to the basement with his friend. They drank beers and watched the Islanders' hockey game on television. They forgot their troubles and enjoyed the game. The friend said, Are you talking to any girls at the moment? The boy said, No. His friend stated, Me neither. At their peak, the two would party with all the pretty girls in town. They wished to be with them right now. In order to spice things up, they took Ativan, which is ill-advised when drinking. But life is short. They talked about the medications they were taking. His friend said how he needed Ativan and how he was not the same without it. The boy had his stint with the drug but was all too aware of its addictive properties. He only took it from time to time now. The two were quite high now. They laughed and enjoyed the game. They talked about other friends and recapped on how they were doing. It seemed everyone was struggling, but they did not get caught up in negativity. It was time for the boy to leave. As a parting gift, the friend gave him an Ativan for the road. He walked him to the porch and smoked one last cigarette until his sister would arrive to pick them up. The boy realized everyone was fighting a demon inside. He left, and the two did not speak much in the future. They were getting older, and it was time to find a path forward. The older you get, it seems the less close friends spend time together. You have to get married and find a job, support your family, and gain independence from your parents. The two had a long way to go. Chapter 3, Celebration It was the boy's birthday. He did not enjoy the celebration of the day, but those around him who cared would apply all the festivities. The day started normally with breakfast. His mother made his favorite, scrambled eggs with cheese and maple sausage. His mother loved him. She wanted the best for him. She wanted him to appreciate his birthday. Another year older, another year wiser. Next, he made plans to go to the local mall for a date. The girl knew it was his birthday and wanted to show him affection. They met at the Starbucks in the mall. The boy and the girl drank their coffee and the girl paid knowing it was his birthday. They walked around enjoying the stores. It was leisure. They talked about their favorite things. The boy liked money, sports, and hip-hop music. The girl enjoyed traveling, food, and fashion. The boy received notice that his parents wanted to eat out at his favorite Chinese buffet restaurant. He told the girl he had to go. She kissed him goodbye. They walked outside to his car. She liked his white Jeep. She said, that car is not like you. She went back inside the mall, and he drove to meet his parents at the restaurant. At the Chinese buffet, his parents greeted him. They were assigned a nice table. They ordered drinks and water. His dad gave him a birthday card with sentimental words from the family. To paraphrase, it said something like, May God grant you peace, wealth, and happiness. Enclosed was $20. That could be useful in the future. The boy liked to save and collect things, including money. They enjoyed the limitless food until they were full. His parents mentioned, You are growing up to be a handsome young man. The boy did not take compliments well and simply replied, Thank you. During the family time, he was texted the girl he hanged out with earlier. She wanted him to go to back to the mall. She messaged, I have a surprise for you. The boy told his parents that he wanted to go back to the mall to spend time with the girl. His parents were glad that he was enjoying his birthday and told him, We'll see you at home. The boy left and went to the mall. It was night now. The boy and girl met at the mall again. The girl was ecstatic. She told him, Let us go to your car. The two in the dark started to kiss. The boy touched all over soft skin. He pulled the seat back and the girl went down on him for what seemed like a lifetime. The boy enjoyed every second of it. The girl wanted to take things a step further. 
However, the boy did not have a condom. There was nothing he could do. The two played around and kissed for a few more moments. She said, Happy birthday. The girl said, I have a ride home. They parted ways. She vanished into the night. The boy thought to himself, This was not a bad birthday. Chapter 4, Social Gathering A guy was to attend several fraternity parties. It was pledge season. At one frat party, he went with his friends for moral support. They walked to the fraternity house together. They laughed and made jokes on their way. It was a break from all the stresses of the world. At arrival, everyone was having a blast. The hosts were glad they came. The guy played beer pong with his friend as his partner. They would win some games and lose others. He was too drunk to be completely competitive. He vaped his nicotine as he walked around the party conversing with friends. He was in good company. What caught his eye was a short brunette girl with bright eyes. She was a party monster. She was sociable and fun. She danced on the table. She was a great sensual dancer. It reminded him of a naive stripper. He wanted to her his. If only she could be tamed. He spoke to her for a little bit. She flirted and he returned the flavor. He was wise enough to know that this was her nature. She loved everybody. She was just being friendly. Nonetheless, there was a spark of attraction, but nothing could be done. The guy would continue to have more drinks, more than he was accustomed to. He sat down for a moment. He stared with a blank expression on his face at the people of the party. Girls and other guys would come to check on him. He was okay. He just enjoyed the booze too much. He wanted to soak it all in. The friends asked him, Do you like the fraternity? He told them, I do. Chapter 5. Gambling A young man and his friend decided to go to the casino. He'd never been before. He thought, why not see what it is all about? The bright lights were enticing. The smell of tobacco and money were intriguing. The sight of pretty girls dancing on stage rhythmically. The sound of exciting music was amazing. This was the place to be. The friend showed him the ropes, how to make a bet, who to talk to about what, and the best ways to enjoy yourself. The guy was simply glad at the fact that there was a place where you could smoke, drink, and make money. The guy was too frugal to truly bet big money, especially since this was his first time in new territory. He played the slot machines, games, and placed his meager bets on basketball. So far, he walked away with winning $5. Chapter 6, High Off Life There was a boy who always acted mischievously any time his parents were away. On one hot summer day, as both his parents were gone at work, he met one of his friends. They usually, in a sneaky fashion, smoked marijuana and cigarettes. They were out of resources and money. They knew their parents would not send them money at this time. They were overprotective and overbearing. They would question as to why they need the money and would escalate the drama. It was a shame they were addicted at such a young age. They fiend the supplies. The boy went to his local convenience store. He did not know what came over him. There was a long line at the store. He went behind the counter and took a pack of cigarettes. He went to the counter with what spare money he had and offered to pay the owner. The worker ignored him. The boy was upset. He put the money down on the counter and started walking out of the store. The worker said, I'm calling the police. Not knowing what to do, the boy left the money on the counter and left with the pack of smokes. While driving with his friend, smoking cigarettes, he received an alarming call from his phone. His parents were terrified and disturbed. They screamed over the phone, Come home. When he arrived, it was havoc. His parents brought to his attention that the police arrived, asking of his whereabouts. They were fueled with anger. He learned his lesson to have patience. 